It's the Ali Mac and Co podcast. Ali Mac and Co podcast. Hello, it's the Ali Mac and Co podcast. My name is Ali Mac. Uh, if you're tuned in on YouTube, don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button. You can leave a comment. Even a thumbs down helps us, actually. So, yeah, go for it if you are tuned in through iTunes or any other podcast platform. Uh, like and subscribe. Got Dan in the studio. Hello, mate. Hey, bud. How you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Our producer for today is Ben. Hello, Ben. Hey, hey. The topic for today, I'm going to get straight into it, is actually something that you came up with, Dan. Yeah. Afghanistan. Yep. And the situation in Afghanistan. Yeah, it's been all over the press recently, and I thought some people know some stuff about it, some people don't know too much about it, so I thought I'd give my views. I know we, we had this in the trailer. Yeah. You come from a military background, right? Yep, yep. So it would be really good to get your views on this, because from the average point of view, from the average man's point of view... Yeah. I can only talk to you about what I saw. And I'll start off with two posts that I saw. One was from an American military guy. Mm -hmm. And the other one was from just a regular girl who, you know, is all about the peace and love and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And the girl had posted, oh, you know, how could we pull out the troops like that? That was bang out of order. We've deserted them. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And the military guy posted a picture of all these Afghani men on a plane yeah. And he goes, well, why can't they fight for themselves? Yeah. And I was just like, both are valid points. Yeah, they, they both have their own kind of merits. In terms of why we pulled out, that's a bit of a... Uh, that's one I don't know too much about, but why we went in is a view I certainly have an opinion on. I think, for me, we should have done. Um, I think way back when, in 2006, when we invaded, Afghanistan was quite a hotbed of... Uh, Al-Qaeda training camps and they were training terrorists. But I mean, even to take a step back from that as well, the whole Al-Qaeda as a, as a group is more of a kind of movement and ideology. Okay. But it was originally funded in like the 80s by the Americans. Well, hold on. Yeah. Let's recap as to why they went in in 2006, because this was as a fallout from post 9-11, right? It was, yeah. And the agenda was to find bin Laden and removing Al-Qaeda. Yeah. It took 10 years to find him, really? Yeah, that's, that's that's a whole another topic, but really, <laughs> yeah. and and we never got to see a bo body. Like no. that's another conspiracy theory. But yeah, again, some people say right, that. and these are the questions that I would ask as your average person, right? Yeah. So, did the opium fields maybe have something to do with why the troops were why the allies were in there for so long? I mean, my my personal opinion is no, not really. Uh, I mean, we went there to kind of. Uh, take Al-Qaeda out. And to do that, they were very closely linked to the Taliban. So we had to remove the Taliban, who were uh, the governing force in Afghanistan at the time. And we were there for 10 years, basically, because if you could go and destabilize a country, if you take the government out, you can't just leave it. You have to put something back in. And again, there's a whole topic on was Karzai the right person to be put in originally? Uh, was he not? Um, but yeah, we had to go and spend time, spend money in our own troops' lives kind of training up the Afghan National Army and the Afghan National Police. And, and that has clearly not worked. That's clearly failed. So again, that was one of like a question that I would ask as your average Joe that, okay, you went in, you wiped out the Taliban, you took yeah. out Al-Qaeda and all of that stuff. Yeah. Why did they stay? But no one actually realizes that, oh, once you've done Destroyed the something. Yeah, yeah. You've got to put something back. You can't just leave. The Otherwise the Taliban just come back again as they've done now. That kind of uh, debunks everything that I actually wanted to talk about <laughs> to say well you know who made you king and who 
made you go in and say, oh, I'm going to give them a better life. Maybe they didn't want that life. Oh, for sure. I mean, we didn't understand what we were getting involved in when uh, Karzai got put in as the president. He he was a US puppet. There's no kind of no other way around that. When Karzai got put in as the president, the kind of British mission was to go and clear the Taliban from Helmand province. And that was where the Taliban were strongest. That's where a lot of the opium poppies were. They all grew along the Helmand River. Um, and we were kind of scaled to go in into towns, into kind of small villages, clear out the Taliban. Um, and that was about it. But the governor of Helmand was actually Hamid Karzai, the president's brother. And he was saying every time the Brits go in, they clear out the Taliban, they just come back in. Um, and we ended up having to take what we call kind of patrol bases or contingency operating bases, forward operating bases. And we weren't scaled to do that when... I went there in late 2006, early 2007. The Paras had just finished their tour. The Marines were coming in. And we had two Chinooks. That was it. And there was probably a battalion of Paras. There were slightly more Marines that come in. And we couldn't defend various towns and villages. Right. We just weren't scaled for it. How many How many troops would you say there were when you say you had two Chinooks? Like, so how many people, how many so guys did you have? The, you, guys fir- the first time I went there, kind of late 2006, early 2007, there was a battalion of paratroopers and their support. There was probably about 1,800 to 2,000 in Helmand. And then there was some Danes and some other kind of smaller forces as well. But that's not enough to hold anything, really. Yeah. Most of those were in Bastion as well. It was kind of support, like in fuel, ops, food, various other things. There was very little troops to actually go on the ground. And, and you were sent in to what, go in and help or to defend or clear out? So, I mean, I was an ammunition technician by trade. So you either kind of look after ammunition or you go down the bomb disposal route. So the Taliban's main kind of, uh, or any insurgency's main weapon is IEDs. Yeah. Um, So we were there to kind of support patrols, clearing IEDs and all those kind of things. Because obviously what they tell the troops on the ground is one thing. Yeah, yeah. And what their actual agenda is, the powers above, is a different thing. yeah. I mean, are you going back to the should we have gone in there thing? Uh, it's it's a question yeah, yeah. that again, the average Joe, the someone who just because uh, I'm not a politician, I don't I yeah. follow the news, but I don't really get lost in the news, so to speak. Yeah. I just see it from a surface point of view, and the fact of it is, most people are like that. They they yeah, think they sure. know everything, but they yeah, really yeah. don't. And I could sit here and say, oh yeah, I've read hundreds of articles. I haven't, and I don't know enough. Yeah, um, and. And the question always comes back, oh, should you have gone should in, in we the first gone place? In there? I mean, I'm not an Afghanistan historian or an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but we get uh, trained, and I've read various books about it and listened to historians as well. So, I mean, the Brits first went to Afghanistan in like 1830 for like four years. Uh, it was a strategically important point back then. It still is now for certain reasons, kind of Silk Road back then. Uh, we were there for four years, got our asses handed to us and, and then left. The Russians then took tried to invade or they did invade and they were there for 10 years i think from 79 to 89 i had no idea about that okay. yeah and actually the americans actually funded al-qaeda that's how al-qaeda got as much money as they did it was funded by the americans right and then they lost control of al-qaeda they turned on the americans they turned on the western world and then we ended up going back in and fighting al-qaeda but did they admit to that or is this something that they deny and you know because the politicians are really great at saying oh no we went in to give them a better life and in my head i'm like but who asked you to do that yeah yeah uh, i mean there isn't really in my view there wasn't so much a better life but when we went to destabilize the taliban and when we were fighting them we do lots of what we call hearts and minds Mm -hmm. which is to try and get the villages and the elders and everyone kind of on our side so they gave us information and they don't let the taliban come back in 
Uh, and there was there was quite an interesting thing that happened when I was out there. So we were, uh, I can't remember, was it Lashkagar or Musakala? I can't remember. But basically, we looked at the villagers' kind of way of lives. Uh, and we saw that every morning, the women would come out the village, walk two and a half, three hours to go and get water because there was no fresh running water. It was quite a remote place. Um, so we were like, right, how can we make these people's lives better? We thought, I know, we'll build them a well that saves the women from having to walk in the hot or the cold or whatever it happened to be. We built a well just outside their village, went away, came back about a week later on a patrol and the well was filled in. We are like, oh, okay, that must have been the Taliban had like filled it in with stones basically to stop the kind of hand pump working. Yeah. So we cleared it, went away again, came back and it was filled in with stones again. We are like, okay, fine, we need to see what's happening here. So we set up like an observation post, uh, left a sniper and a few others, a small OP team kind of looking at the well for a day or two. And as soon as uh, the main kind of patrol had left, in the next morning, the women came up really early and actually put stones in the well. And we're like, what? Why, why, why are they doing that? They've kind of, there's something we've done that's nice for them to help them out. They've actually filled in. Yeah. So we went in, spoke to the elders. We got female translators in to speak to the women. And it turns out that the women actually enjoyed the kind of two, three hour walk to go and get water every day yeah. because it was the only time they got away from their husbands and the rest of their family. Other than that, they were kept in their compounds, isolated, so, the only time they so could you talk. were killing their social life, uh, basically. Pretty much, yeah. We were killing their daily kind of trip out where they got to go and talk to people. And we just didn't Shame understand. On you guys. I know, I know, I know. But what we thought, and it goes back to that us kind of trying to impose freedom, we didn't understand what we were getting into. So, yeah. So, in fairness, you've gone in, yeah. not understood the way of life. Yeah, yeah. That's not your fault, per yeah, se. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it was a Western problem in trying to go and what they saw as fix the kind of problem. They didn't understand the various different tribes, the various different elders, the way the politics, the way the culture, the way everything worked. Just didn't understand. And still don't now. I mean, probably now a lot more, but. So then what happened after that then? Uh, I mean, we were stuck there for another eight years. (laughs) No, as in with the well. Uh, With the well, we just left them too. If they don't want to use it, don't want to use it. So a lot we could do. We were trying to help, but they weren't, they, we didn't understand why they enjoyed the walk. I mean, it made sense when they told us, but. but. So you stayed to basically put in place something you had destroyed, not you personally. When yeah, I say yeah, you, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm the the Brits and the Americans and the rest of the NATO forces stayed yeah. to kind of train up the Afghan National Police, the Afghan National Army. And the way they capitulated was not, un- not entirely unexpected. I mean, I did patrols. I remember the first patrol it was either with the Afghan National Police or the Afghan National Army. It was beating summer. It was like... 38, 39 degrees. It's not too humid like it is here, but it's super hot. And when you've got a helmet, body armor, rifle, your patrol back on, yeah. you stop and take water breaks quite regularly. So we stopped to take a water break. And we looked around the corner and there was three of them kind of in the kind of crouched squatting position as they, they kind of sit. And I don't know what it was, but it looked like they were either smoking a spliff or they were smoking heroin. Yeah. And we're like, guys, come on, you're supposed to be patrol. They're not a professional army. Right. So yeah, even after 10 years of training, we they couldn't kind of hold their own country together. Because like, so I was having a discussion with my wife earlier today. Again, it went back to the philosophy of where the general person thinks it's what they hear from the politicians that, oh yeah, we went in to help them. We went in to yeah. give them a, a better way of life, this, yeah. that, and the other. And it was like, two, you take two cats, right? You've got a house cat and you've got an outdoor cat. Yeah. And the outdoor cat is sitting out there saying, oh yeah, you know what? This is a a better way of life living out here. And he goes and tells the house cat, mate, you're missing out on the world, Yeah, right? You're missing out on your freedom. You're just cooped up in this sort of jail, so to speak. And he takes the house cat outside and the house cat probably survives an hour because he's not fully trained to live 
outdoors and he probably gets mauled by a bunch of other cats yeah, yeah, and a yeah, dog yeah. and gets his head ripped off. Yeah. And it's probably along the same thing that, yeah, again, that, what the politicians try and make us believe is that, yeah. oh yeah, we sent in our troops to give them their freedom, yeah. to give them democracy, but maybe it's not what they wanted to yeah. start with. It's not necessarily what they know. Yeah. And they are used to a certain way of life and us going and trying to impose Western cultures and Western values. It just doesn't work. I mean, there's the Taliban have been around a long time. The Mujahideen who don't like the Taliban have been around even longer and seen various people try and come and occupy their country. I mean, and these guys are, are hardened fighters as well. I remember there was a, there's a big contractor in Afghanistan called KBR and they got a lot of the food in, a lot of the fuel in. And there was a British guy. He was only, he was older than me. I went when I was like 19, the first time he was like 25, 26. And he, he basically had to go and pay the Mujahideen like thousands of thousands of dollars, just him drive out into the desert and meet them to kind of let our convoys through. And it's just another layer of how we don't understand the political situation. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is it. This is, like I said, it's just, it's a bit of a mind boggle for, yeah, for, yeah, for me. Yeah. So you should, you, you agree you should have gone in. It, yeah. On the, I mean, is there probably some other reasons? Was it a very strategically geo important location? Yes. Yeah. We shouldn't have gone in for that, but Al-Qaeda, something did have to be done with them. I mean, the fact that they were probably, or they are an American creation is an American yeah. fuck up, really. But it's those Americans. Yeah, <laughs> bastard Americans. <laughs> what do you reckon, Ben? Any thoughts? What? In or out? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a bit too complicated from my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, there's so, there's so like, like we were saying, so many different facets to why, why not? Who yeah. are they? What they want? Yeah, do yeah, we yeah. know what they want? Yeah, we don't exactly. know. Yeah. We, we really, I, thought, I don't even know if we know now what they want. I mean, we probably have a better idea now. Yeah, but absolutely. But still, how, how do you fix it? We spent 10 years. We spent millions and millions of dollars. I mean, the first time I went to Afghanistan, Bastion was a dust track. It had some barbed wire fences and a few tents. The second, and this was in kind of late 2006, late 2007. The next time I went back in 2011, not everyone would understand this reference, but it was the size of Reading. Camp Bastion in the wow. middle of the desert in Afghanistan was the size of Reading. Um, Reading is not that big. Just to put but it's, it's a city. It's, it is. It's, I it's mean, not. it's not massive. Yeah. But imagine creating Reading in the desert. Yeah. Okay. In, it was, I thought I'd landed in Kandahar. It was, it was so, so different. I was like, shit, I've got on the wrong plane. Oh, wow. If you were there, if you guys were there, did you not think to train up? the guys, um, the Af Afghanis to the kind of defend the themselves? Yeah, I mean, we spent 10 years and again, millions and millions of pounds and there was a really sad incident. While, while the spliff incident. Yeah, yeah. They, are, they have a different way of life. They were predominantly conscripts as well or people who didn't necessarily have anything better to do. So they joined the army or joined the police and they, they weren't a professional force. I mean, you're stuck with the problem that there would be various relatively high-ranking people in both the Afghan National Army and the Afghan National Police that have loose kind of ties and affiliates with the Taliban. Their family members are Taliban. They might sympathise with the Taliban's ideology. Yeah. And once you lose that command structure, the whole thing falls apart. I mean, the Taliban were very clever as well. In the northern kind of provinces, they went and kind of captured the local commanders. Yeah. They shot the couple of people that were kind of guarding them, and that's it. Your, your entire structure falls apart, and your troops on the ground don't know what to do, and they just walk through. And the Taliban are hardened fighters as well. They fought off the uh, Russians. They've been fighting various people for years and years. They've been fighting the Mujahideen, the Northern Alliance. They're not, they're not walkovers. They, they weren't very well equipped. I mean, they are now. I don't know if you saw the uh, news recently where they, put, they kind of paraded all the uh, American equipment that was left to the Afghan National Army all through Kabul. Now they're very well equipped. 
They're, they're not a. They're not a. Uh, they're not a walkover. Though. No, they're not. A, I mean, all right. If you send in a proper British force and a British American force, you would walk through them. But they're not. They're not kind of capable of, or, or they are more than capable of defeating a ragtag bunch of Afghan national army. And so, so what happens police. now? What, what what's the step forward? I don't know. Is it? I mean, this is really personal opinion. It isn't something I know too much about. But Afghanistan, I found out recently, is really, really rich in minerals. And they'd actually, the Afghan national government had signed a, uh, a contract with kind of China to go and extract all these minerals. And that's kind of been on hold for I don't know how long, whether that's American pressure or for whatever reason, I don't know. Um, but Russia is certainly a key player in the region. They sided with Syria when there was the uh, war in Syria. And they recognised the Taliban, or they were the first country to recognise the Taliban as a government as well. Um, what happens? I, I don't really know. So um, my wife's been sitting in. You can jump in. I know you, you have something you want to jump in on. I just think it's, it's uh, I think the whole thing, the whole ordeal, we'll call it, is rather incestuous. In terms of? In terms of you had various parties coming in throughout history to try to invade them, etc. Yeah. The West then creates Al-Qaeda, yeah. is somehow capable of training and uh, equipping these people. Yeah. to be able to rule their country, yeah. which they then go and do. Yeah. It just so happened to turn against us. Yes, yeah, yeah. So then, obviously, we could be like, uh-oh, create that problem yeah. for ourselves now. We, were, <laughs> we didn't really care when there were, it was a problem in Afghanistan for the locals, but when it became a problem for us, they were like, oh, yes, of course, we're going to come and help you and fix it yeah. by removing them. Yeah. So then we go and remove them, but then we've spent two, 20 years and we haven't been able to train an equally, because we trained them at the end of the day, yeah, have been able yeah. to train we've an equivalent. No, yeah, we've we've fun, not even we've funded the same, them. but like not even close enough. Like that's to me not only is it an incestuous circle, yeah. but it's also just slightly unbelievable. Yeah, it is. I, I think there's that's a really good point actually. I think there's two points to it though. The first war is big business, which is not right, but unfortunately, it it, it kind of is, and it's not the right thing, but you kind of have to have that there. War is big business. So there are interests in a long, prolonged war as well. The second point is uh, Al-Qaeda and the Taliban are fundamentalists, whereas the people in the, that are joining the Afghan National Army, the Afghan National Police, aren't willing to put their lives online. And, and how do you fight that unless you are a proper trained army like the British and military? It is very kind of difficult to kind of get to that level as well. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I certainly agree. It is very incestuous, but that's, I don't know. I don't know how you deal with that. I mean, Ben's just pulled up this image. Can we enlarge this image here in the corner? I mean, look at these guys. That, yeah, that is a proper professional force. The Afghan National Army, the Afghan National Police do not look like that. Right. They, they have just, their pouches open. They will have their safety. That off. is the Taliban Army, right? That's the Taliban Army. Yeah. Right. So, again, the average Joe sits here thinking that you guys have gone in fighting a bunch of guys in their shalwars yeah, yeah. with, uh, you know, their headgear on, yeah. their turbans. I think that's what believe they're they're not they with old ak-47s but it's not that i mean they it, are properly kitted out it, it was i think when, when we first went back when did we first go in i think we first invaded in like 2005 but brits didn't go there till 2006 when we had to kind of rebuild that they, these guys are a I long mean, way away from who we fought originally yeah, that's I for mean, sure call of duty could release them in the game a hundred percent i mean they've got picatinny rails on their assault rifles they've got flashlights on their assault rifles they've got proper combat body armor pouches and this is what it was like when you were there no 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 no. Oh. They, they were in their dish dash with old ak-47s left by the soviets they were hardened fighters but they didn't have the kit and equipment they've got now so no wonder everyone legged it there you go and you compare that to the afghan national police who are 
that's what the Afghan National Police looked like. Yeah. Man, if I was them, I'd be shitting myself of <laughs> exactly. those guys as well. And, and you lose a few battalions, you lose a couple of commanders, and the, the whole thing falls apart. That's messed up to a whole nother level. So what, where do we go from here? Like, what happens with, with Afghanistan? I mean, you, you said something really interesting, actually, um, about the fact that there was the picture on the plane and they were all guys, right? Yeah. Fighting age guys, why don't they stay and fight? The problem that even when the crisis in Syria, a lot of the refugees that got out of Syria that had the money to kind of pay to be smuggled into Europe yeah. are the middle classes and other people that can rebuild a country and they've all just run away. Do I blame them? No, I'd probably do the same thing. But how do you, you've taken the doctors, you've taken the surgeons, you've taken the lawyers, you've taken the, the people who would provide an economy and they've all just, I mean, you haven't taken them away, they've all just left. But although yeah. we've helped evacuate them out of Afghanistan, and what are we left? Women, children, uneducated people, people that aren't going to be able to help rebuild their country. So since America created this problem, yep. right, which we've concluded they did because they armed... But yeah, by proxy, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. By proxy. So now it's their responsibility because if they wanted to help them, now they should help all these people that they've unsettled and help them resettle in America then, right? What, the whole of Afghanistan? I don't know what the well, population of Afghanistan is, but... what? Well, you went in and... You didn't well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, they did. They tried and to. The allies, uh, and, and the UK should help. Yeah, yeah the UK, the them. Germans. And the, then leave, leave them countries. alone. Oh, host the countries. And leave Afghanistan alone then. If, it's not going to happen, is it? What, will they leave it alone now? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think you'll see Western forces boots on the ground again. I really don't. I might be wrong. I might yeah. be wrong. But I don't, I don't think there's the political will to fight any war anymore. I'm just, uh, I feel sad for all those people that have just been... Oh, 100%. The, the Western servicemen that died kind of fighting the Taliban, fighting Al-Qaeda, helping rebuild the country, the people that had died being killed by the Taliban that helped the Westerners. It's a, a tragic situation, to be fair, but what to do? I agree also that there probably isn't going to be that will because you've had 20 years of war. And as you've said, there's a, there's a point where it's profitable and there's a point where it's now not worth the money. Yeah. Um, also, I know you touched on this earlier. I do disagree on this one point. The opium fields. There's so many documentaries that I've um, watched um, and articles that I've read from people who, um, you know, it's not like a theonion.com type of thing, but that the, the, the opium fields were there. I mean, it's Afghanistan has always been a massive exporter of raw heroin. Yeah, that hasn't stopped. Uh, heroin has not been in short supply over the world, given that it. Afghanistan was a massive resource over the last 20 years. Yeah. That has continued. Yeah, 100%. The locals are no longer doing it. It's just even at a very basic level, someone is has taken over that part as well. And if you've got, and like you said, they also have lots of natural minerals. But if, you've, if, you've got, if you know that those things are being controlled by people who you think, okay, fine, at least this person's in control and it's not the head of Al-Qaeda that's controlling the opium fields. Therefore, they're not going to get mass income from them. Yeah. So as long as it's satisfactory to you, as in the West, that, okay, fine. I think it get. I feel like that those are also criteria. Because what? no one will just leave it. It's, a, it's a billions and billions and billions of dollars. I mean, I don't know the value. I know it's a lot of money. I know, so when... We went in there and invaded. We wiped out the Taliban pretty easy. It wasn't much of a fight. And we killed quite a few of them. And more of them kept turning up, more of them kept coming. We didn't understand. And there were people that shared the same ideology um, and came a lot from 
other parts of Asia, I won't name specific countries, but we, we basically call them $10 Taliban because the Taliban would pay them $10 a day to come and fight, which over there is a lot of money. You can save half of that, spend some of it, do whatever. That's a lot of money. So yeah. they were paying people. We're like, well, where are they getting their money from? And then we realized it's the opium. So we actually had to pay the farmers to stop growing opium because the, the locals would grow the opium because the Taliban would buy it off them for good money. We had to subsidize the farmers to stop buying opium to go and then grow wheat, corn, whatever else. Yeah. So to a certain extent, there is someone, there is an element of yes, as long as someone's controlling it. But we did try and eradicate it. But if, if we're not in control of that, when I say we, I mean the Western, it will always come back because it's the most profitable thing the farmers can grow and the Taliban want it and it's how they make their money as well. There's very little you can do about it. So, um, yeah, I guess that concludes that. I mean, that's just messed up. I don't know where to go with that. For me, what I've taken away from this is that I can now no longer turn around and say, oh, why did you go in in the first place? Oh, it's so complex, so complex. Was there other reasons? Yeah, without a doubt. But why did, why did we stay there, I think, is, is quite a... Uh, I don't want to say obvious, it's quite reasonable. We stayed there to help rebuild the country, to put systems of government in place. Did we make it too westernized? Yeah, probably, but... Afghanistan, Ben's just pulled this up. Afghanistan is responsible for more than 80% of global opium production. So obviously, it's the easiest thing for them. It's the most profitable thing for them to grow. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. The Taliban like it because it gets them the most income. It's not wheat, it's not grain. For sure. And who is it that uses all this opium? Yeah. The Western world. Yeah. <laughs> you know? America. God damn. <laughs> That's like, got nothing else to say about them. I mean, um, it's not just America, but. Yeah, but, you know. It's, it's the, the whole Western world. CIA distribution. <laughs> um, um, have you got any other stories you'd like to throw in? Uh, maybe another time. None, none, none that have any relevance <laughs> okay. anyway. Um well, thanks, thanks for sharing that, though. Uh, I, no worries. Uh, that can't have been easy. Uh, I mean, we didn't talk too much. I mean, I don't mind talking about my experiences either. That's not necessarily what the podcast was for. But it's, it's nice to give people a different view on why things are happening as well, or yeah. why things have happened. It's not so uh, linear. It's very multifaceted. And, I'm, and like I say, I'm not an expert. I have a pretty good grasp on history. Yeah. Spoken to various people, kind of read various books. That, that's so. Western media for you. They make oh, it very linear yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, and yeah. the politicians, that's what they get paid to do. Exactly that. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Leave your comment. If you have any questions, by all means, you can uh, leave them below and you can just leave us any comment you want, really. Thanks for coming in, Dan. No worries. Good to, good to be here. Yeah. Another episode next week. Take it easy. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Ali Mac and Co podcast.